10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn. Tonight, I'm talking to Sadie Landau, Mark Cratchley, Liam McGuigan. What do you think of teaching in 2022? Has teaching changed or have we, as well as getting over that five-year hump? Join us, tune in, talk it out. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. And as I said in the introduction there, tonight we're kind of reflecting, we're kind of maybe a little bit of analysing, we're going to be talking about what teaching's like in 2022 for us, uh, uh, you know, as teachers, but we're also going to be reflecting on whether it's changed and, and what those changes have been like, and also particularly probably, you know, a really interesting point will be whether or how uh, people get through that five-year retention crisis um, for teaching. As I said, we've got a couple of guests um, with us. We've got uh, Sadie Landau, we've got Mark Cratchley, who's going to be joining us, and we've got Liam McGuigan. Uh, all talking about kind of their different journeys, the, the, the different experiences of teaching and whether they've changed, whether teaching has changed. We'll reflect on, on all of that. Um, I should say, as I start all the shows, uh, you know, in South Wales today, it is not raining. And again, this is a rarity for me doing these shows. It's sunny. It's beautiful. So, you know, half term has hit like it should I'm at the beach in the sunshine, not literally right now, but I have been today. And, and, and so, you know, all this good in the world of a teacher in South Wales at the moment, sunshine and beaches, who could ask for more? Now, I'm just going to check in with our guest for tonight. Now, Liam, are you on the line there? Uh, hello. Hi, Nathan. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. A little bit quiet. So if you're able to get closer to the mic, maybe. Yeah, sure. No problem. That's absolutely fine. I'll try and adjust that for you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So uh, good to hear from you. Just checking you out. And I think we've got Sadie on the line as well. Sadie, you're there. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're coming through uh, loud and clear as well. So lovely to have you both here. Um, now, as I say, we are going to be joined by Mark. Hopefully he'll, he'll find his way in or click that call in button if he is listening at the moment. I should say to anyone listening in as well, you can uh, text us uh, through the Podbean app. You can uh, message us on Twitter at TT Radio uh, 2022. Um, you can, of course, call in if you, you, know, if you want to make a point as well. It is Teachers Talk Radio. And, uh, you know, on this show, quite literally, we have got a bunch of teachers teachers talking um we should set the scene really so what i'll do is i'll start off with um liam and and just tell us a little bit about yourself what you currently do and kind of set that scene because we're going to be talking about ourselves a little bit absolutely yeah i'd be more than happy to thank you so uh my journey is quite i suppose a unique one insofar as 
So I basically started teacher training in 2009, uh, straight out of university, and it was in Hertfordshire. And my second placement school, also in Hertfordshire, is the same school I'm at now. So I've worked my way through being a uh, third in department. So I had responsibilities over uh, my English department in terms of year seven, eight, then it became uh, second in department. So that was just key stage three, which I've had for the last five years or so. And as of this set coming September, I will be the acting head of department at the same school. So uh, I've sort of worked my way through that uh, school environment. My teaching journey has really been only in that one particular environment. Um, so it's an exciting moment, exciting point in my career. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of experiences, uh, which I'm really happy to share this evening with you and all your guests. So uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an exciting little time for myself. Hello. Uh, sorry, so yeah, um, so just a couple of other things um, in terms of where I am, and what I'm doing. Uh, I've mainly worked in English, so that's been my degree and that's my background. As well as that, I've also been a politics teacher for the last five years at A level, because that's one of my A levels in sales. Uh, I've done a lot of the things I wanted to do as a teacher. So, in terms of, I've had taken a form all the way through from year seven to year 11. Currently, have a sixth form form as well. And I really fell into teaching, if I'm honest. Uh, so with teaching itself, I I sort of had an English degree and I knew I sort of graduated at the end of the recession or the start of the recession as it was. So I just needed to get a job, really. And uh, I, it's not the particularly most inspiring call to arms, but that's kind of where my career began. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been a sort of exciting journey as, as that's been going. I've skilled myself as we've gone. I've learned a lot of different skills and uh, gained a lot of different experiences and yeah no just very interested to hear what uh, your other guests today their journey's been like as as well and how similar or different it's been uh, so I've currently been in there in the school I'm at now 12 years as of January 2010 because it's my second placement school on my PGCE and um, yeah yeah so starting in September it's a whole new sort of responsibility but um, yeah it's an exciting one and I'm looking forward very much to the the challenge of it. Hello. Sorry. Uh, so, um, Sadie just joined and and unjoined there. Sadie, I'm just looking for you in the uh, in in the studio there. Um, Mark, are you there with us? Hi, Nathan. Yeah, I'm here. How are you? 
Yep, just gremlins in the system there, I guess. Gremlins in the system. <laughs> uh, so we'll try and get Sadie back on the line. Um, but Mark, if you'd like to do the same for us then, just tell us just a little bit about kind of your journey, where you're, you know, where you're coming from and all of those bits. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I had uh, perhaps an unusual, um, or I have had an unusual career, I think. I've, um, I kind of fell into teaching um, when I saw it as a ticket to ride. I was traveling and I wanted to try and see how I might be able to continue that. Uh, this was just after I dropped out of university as well. So I was in my second year of uni, I dropped out, I was doing a, a performing arts degree. Um, and I thought TEFL teaching was the way to go. So I came back to England, did a TEFL, went back out and I was looking around for work and ended up teaching in Thailand for a year. Uh, and then I was in Japan for 11 years, uh, ended up having my own school for the last five or six years I was there, came back to England in 2012. Um, and I started out working as like an EAL um, assistant in uh, primary schools. That led to becoming a, um, an HLTA. Uh, that led then to being an unqualified teacher. So I was doing that for about six or seven years. And after about five years, years five or six years or so, I thought, right, I need to do this properly. So I was looking, I uh, finished my degree with the Open University. Um, got my PGC and it was around that time actually I was looking at staying in primary and I fell in love with I fell in love with teaching along the way obviously that's why you know I, I continued it for so long but um, I was really enjoying teaching English English was my degree and I wanted to focus on that so I did my uh, PGC in secondary um, now in my third year of secondary English teaching okay so I'm pitching you as more of a, a kind of mover uh, you know kind of like you know there were some periods there where you long set but it sounds like there's been like a lot of change going on in your career mark yeah absolutely yeah so it's um like i said secondary teaching now is still quite new to me only being in my third year um and yeah with the travel as well so i've been i've been around a bit <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, you know, I think, you know, as I say, the, the, it's really interesting. And I think when people reflect on it, kind of what brought them in and, and, and where they have gone, and particularly when we start talking about, I think maybe when we talk about, you know, this kind of five year retention crisis thing, the actual reality of what that means for people and what people can do, maybe if they've got different feelings at that point. Um, now, I wanted to start off, you know, we're going to be talking about the state of education really in 2022, how we feel it is, whether it's changed, whether we've changed um, you know whether all of that's normal anyway but I want to kind of you know just get really into the nitty-gritty kind of our, our origin stories and I've, I've we've heard a little bit already but if we um, pass back to um, over um, to Liam you, you said you know particularly and I guess this this is getting down to um, I don't, you know uh, values vision and values that kind of thing ethos you, you kind of suggested maybe that you weren't a, a I don't want to say not a driven, it, it wasn't a passion choice to come into teaching, maybe? Yeah, I think to be, I think that's completely fair. It was really a pragmatic decision at, at the start for myself. Yeah, 100%, because uh, I, I saw my degree coincided with the sort of wider socioeconomic sort of situation around me. Um, and I, I sort of went in a kind of, well, I, I can, I can kind of, feel I can do that so let's let's see if it works and my uh the school I went to was kind enough to uh, sort of take me on board for a few practice days and um and then I, and that love grew from there 
Um, I'm, I'm quite like when I talk to my ACTs or mentors um, that I've had, I'm quite honest in my sort of origin story in that regard, because I just feel like it's we come from it from all different walks and sort of avenues. And um, that was certainly my one. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, and is that something I mean, I don't you know, when you go for interview, Okay, and and this is a question that people often ask. Do are you honest about that? I guess when 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 you, when you talk about it, you say that you know this is this was a pragmatic thing. I wasn't, uh, you know, because some people really sell it up. I guess you know that I was born to teach. I always knew I wanted to teach. It's my passion to teach. Or do you talk kind of quite honestly about that? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I do. I'm, I'm I'm very quite honest about it. I think that uh, a great teacher can be molded from any kind of origin i think it's really admirable if you've i had many inspiring teachers when i was at school and i dare say they probably lent a part in me coming towards to education and teaching in that regard because you know if, I, if i'd have hated it i guess i never would have sort of even contemplated it um however i yeah I, whenever i've been to interview i've mentioned that and i say and i, I just talk about my journey in that regard that um it is an unorthodox one um, it's one that can raise a little bit of eyebrows, but um, I mentioned, you know, that from I've, I've been very keen from day one to just seize every opportunity. So, um, I mean, we're talking oh, we're talking back over 10 years ago now, but I used to take part or help out in the rock challenge competitions with us, the school I was at. Um, I used to help out in different uh, clubs and different events and just being part of the school fabric, I think, is a massive part of, of my own experience that I would encourage any up and coming any new uh, uh colleague to to, uh, to do because i felt that's where i really found my i realized yeah this is where i belong i think it's it's not just the classroom it was the wider school community and that ethos that you build those uh, relationships with students you build that kind of identity as a teacher with as well you really get to learn uh, kind of every aspect of the job in that regard so yeah i, I, I talk quite honestly about it and, and that sort of journey that it's been Okay, so I'm going to pass over to Mark now. Mark, you know, your um, origin, I guess, but that 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 first bit before, you know, some of the sort of, I guess, the teaching assistance. Why education? What was it that brought you into it? Yeah, there's uh, definitely been some raised eyebrows in interviews when I say, well, you know, I kind of fell into teaching. It was, I saw it as a ticket to ride. I've used that phrase as well in. Um, in interview but I honestly and genuinely did fall in love with it as as you know almost as soon as I started my first um <laughs> again perhaps an, an unusual experience my first professional teaching job was in a pagoda on a beach in Thailand and you know how can you not love that it's uh you know I'd stroll down in the afternoon and teach the the owner of the bungalows for an hour and then teach her nephew for an hour um and it just went from there. I, I, through the uh, through the contacts with them, I ended up working in um, schools in Bangkok, um, and I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I, I think that if I can express, or when I express that in an interview, um, then you know the the, the head the head teacher, particularly <laughs> at the interview I was most recently at, he there was the initial raised eyebrows. You know, I, <laughs> it wasn't something that I'd always wanted to do. It was like, hmm, okay, so why are you here? Um, but when I explain that story and when I explain, you know, how I've grown to love it and, you know, I set up my own school in Japan and, um, you know, maintain that when I came back to England as well, I think they, they see that, that there's that, uh, that passion there. So. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, I don't, maybe we're talking about a passion that has grown over time for people. Um, I can see Sadie in the studio. I just want to double check. I, I, I've tried connecting again, Sadie, if you can text in, 
or type into the chat just to let us know if you're there or not. Um, and we'll see what we can do on the tech side of it. Um, but, you know, personally, I came into, oh, I can see you there, Sadie, uh, saying hello, hello. Um, can't hear you speaking. I wonder if you try exiting the studio completely and rejoining again. We'll see if we can get you on so that you can talk live on, on air as well. Um, can you I, hear me oh, now? You're there. Oh, my Hello. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I, honestly, we had like for, for about 10 seconds early on in the show, there was like this little brief period where we had gremlins and it was just as you were about to t talk. And so I, I really lost track of what had happened. But you're back with us now. And we were just talking, Sadie, about kind of why uh, our, our, our origin stories are our reason for getting into teaching and reflecting on that point in our career. You know, for me, I was an outdoor ed instructor, you know, so I was already, I already kind of saw myself a little bit like a teacher. I was a coach kind of, um, you know, so I already saw the instructional part I really liked. And also I chose primary initially because I liked doing everything. I didn't, you know, I wasn't subject driven. And the, is that a passion? I don't know. I enjoyed certainly teaching. Um, and it was something that I thought would be the next logical step of it to use my degree that I already had to to enable me to do it. But um, it was it a real love or passion initially. I, I'm unsure. So Sadie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you are at, at the moment and, and give us that backstory. Hello. Yes. So I am Went straight into my teacher training straight after my A-levels back in 2010. Completed three-year BA at Middlesex University in London. And actually similar to Liam, my final placement school, I then continued through as an NQT. And in those, in the four years I was teaching in that school in a local, in a London borough, just outside in North London, very tough area that I developed through as a coach and mentor supporting senior leadership where they were seeing pockets for development and improvement I would then go and build an improvement plan with the individual support them inspire them and motivate them to see how we could develop their practice which I really enjoyed from that I then became PE coordinator um, and led that through the primary school um, after that it's funny you talk about the five-year retention when I reached at the end of my fourth year, I then decided to take the leap and move abroad. So I traveled over to Qatar and worked there for four years in a primary school, British International School. And across there, again, I developed through middle leadership as becoming the phase leader for lower key stage two, then developing through and moving up to be the phase leader of upper key stage two. And then after four years there, I'm now currently in Dubai. That may be why we have some gremlins in technology. But I'm currently in my first year of Dubai here, working in Upper Key Stage 2 still, which is where I see myself most challenging the children and inspiring them and motivating them through um, helping them with the transition through to secondary. And right now, I've just taken the role as a deputy year leader for next year. So always driving back into that middle leadership, developing the staff and supporting them with their development with the students. Um, so it's really interesting. We're all talking about that passion and for me it's always come back to I think I'm I'm drama trained and musical theatre trained and I always kind of found myself leading the younger members of the chorus and the dance squad and that team of um, actors and I think from that came that drive and actually I, I like helping and I like supporting and 
I think in a way teaching is sort of a stage for ourselves and performing and showing the children exactly what needs to be done and from there here we are now in Dubai in my ninth year of teaching. Uh, yeah well I can really relate to that kind of like idea of I I just I think mine was I just liked helping people even when I you know before the outdoor ed stuff I used to manage uh, run like a pub and, uh, and nightclubs and things and what I really liked was training up new staff and that's not teaching but it's it's kind of a bit and that's the bit I enjoyed most about my job and so I think I just followed that through I'm going to push you though Sadie because you made this decision quite early then I you know I I I was a bit later, I guess, because I didn't go back. I went back and did a PGCE at maybe 25. But you, you knew teaching quite early then. Yes, absolutely. I can't, I, GCSEs, for some reason, that pressure is put on you very early on of you have two weeks work experience that you will need to do. This is where you need to start thinking about your career. And at that point, I was at the fork in the road of, well, will I continue with the theatre and what I'm trained in and what I enjoy or is that something I could transfer and take to something a bit more stable? And I had a very mature head on at such a young age of as much as I enjoy the drama, is that going to put a roof over my head and food on the table? And unless you get those lucky breaks, you never know. And it was actually a family friend who had recently qualified and become a teacher. She said, why don't you come and do your two weeks work experience with me? See what it's like, because there are many teacher training courses where you can specialize in drama and you could teach drama in schools. And at first that was kind of exactly where I thought, yep, this is it. This is where I'm going to go. But once I'd stepped into a um, year five class in my work experience, I remember sitting with them and supporting a small group. I kind of took the role as a TA at that point. And I remember supporting a small group with fractions and it just brought me back to when I was at school. And I thought, I remember being that child who quietly sat there, didn't really understand, but I've managed to plow my way through however I could and helping those students at that time and I think where I was so young and it, it was still quite relatable for me that's that was the turning point for me of no no this is exactly what I want to do and it was just a case of the quicker I get my A-levels done and get this degree I have the freedom then which there was always kind of that seed of working internationally of this is a skill that I can take with me no matter where I am in the world which has now resulted in me being in my fifth year abroad. It, uh, do you know what, Sadie? It is incredibly admirable, and I'm just reflecting back. And I will ask our, our other two guests this as well. To at, at 16, I, you know, I think I wanted to be a ski rep, and I wanted to run a nightclub, and and so maybe that explains a little bit about why I fell into it late. Um, Liam, at 16, did you know what you wanted to be? Oh, geez, yeah, I really did. Um, I had shoulder length hair, and I played the guitar the vast majority of the time. So I definitely wanted to be in a band of some sort. I think that was the principal idea. Um, on a on a slightly more practical level, I wanted to go into writing. So I was looking at journalism as one particular area. Okay. Um, so I've always loved that element of writing and reading, and that's been a real passion of mine. Uh, I sort of pursued that through university, where you had you know your student union magazines and uh, points like that. And, um, and I suppose that's where teaching has been a real benefit is that I can sort of tap into that passion into other students now. So where I can see they have a passion for writing, you know, writing competitions has been a big part of my career so far. But yeah, it was, uh, I definitely haven't kept the shoulder length hair anymore. I think that's very much gone. So uh, that's not me. But uh, yeah, that was definitely where I was at 16. Um, so Liam, can I ask then, so would you see yourself then like, more? you, you know, some people describe themselves like I, I'm a teacher of children. 
I see myself down that end of the spectrum because I, I'm not sub. I don't see you know I don't have a, a subject passion as such. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. do you see yourself more as a, a teacher of the subject of English? You're a teacher of English. Oh wow, yeah. So I suppose I, I suppose upon reflection, because this is the thing. I suppose you 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 will know, and and our guest today will know is that teaching is so fast. Like you you just go, and all of a sudden I've sort of been there twelve years. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I I get a real buzz from being able to develop a student's joy, particularly a student who didn't have a joy in say Shakespeare or literature or um, and, and the English vocabulary, for example, is, is something that when you see that happen, I mean that's that's worth its weight in gold for me. So it it really I think I'd really ascribe to that description. Absolutely. Cool. Um, Mark, we're going to go to you. At sixteen, did you, what what did you want to be? Uh, yeah, fairly fairly similarly to Liam actually I, uh, I had long hair that's back when I had hair and uh, uh, played the guitar I was in school bands uh, singing and uh, you know I did theatre studies I chose to do theatre studies A-level at that stage so it was um, it was all about the music and all about the drama really that was that was what I wanted to do and it's it's still in really good stead because I try and incorporate that into into my lessons now and you know I still do it now as well so um yeah, no, that was me then. No real interest in teaching. Although saying what you were saying before about training up new staff, that kind of thing, I used to do a lot of um, uh, house drama stuff at school. So um, taking the the, uh, the lower school um, children into to doing drama groups and performances for, for the house drama competitions. So I was always involved in that. So maybe that's where it was, and I just didn't realise it. That 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 initial spark was there, but I just didn't recognise it at the time yeah you know I, I find it really interesting kind of you know and also like it's it's interesting again that we kind of there's this element of performance that we've talked about a little bit anyway it's um, we are going to have a little quick ad break and when we come back because we've got such vastly different careers across across the range of us we're going to talk first of all about how we all kind of hit the five-year kind of period uh, you know, in education and what that kind of meant and how we got through it. Sadie's already admitted that she just ran away, right, Sadie? You could describe it like that. I, so, I tend to word it international professional development. <laughs> excellent. So when we come back after the uh, after the ads, uh, we'll hear a little bit about guess. I guess maybe you know, if you're listening, some options for how different people have have got past that, or maybe it's something for schools to reflect on, or the education de- you know department as a whole. So we will see everyone on the other side of this short ad break. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. 
Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea, uh, sunny Swansea it is as well and we are talking about what do we think of teaching in 2022 at this point in our careers, we're going to be talking about whether teaching's changed, we've changed and also you know we're going to be talking about that five year retention crisis which is where you find us now. I'm joined by Sadie Landau, Mark Cratchley and Liam McGuigan, um, you know we've shared our kind of origin stories about where we are in teaching, we're going to talk a little bit about what we were doing as we hit that that wall I guess I'd call it if I was running a marathon um for me uh it was around 2015 um and I'd just become you know a maths leader I was a year leader in in primary school as well you know I was lucky enough to get basically a kind of promotion every year that I was a teacher uh, and so I worked up and so there were new things to get into and particularly for, for anyone in education who was around at that time we just had the new national curriculum 2014 in England which had changed everything and it had really changed maths and so for me at that point it felt that there was still work to do I was still being challenged I was still eager and and, and there was still development for me to do um I was never one of those people who was worried about workload. I was kind of a workaholic. Um, I, you know, I didn't like some of the uh, observation stuff that was around at the time or some of the, the way people kind of uh, talked about doing things for Ofsted. Of course, you know, I think uh, verbal feedback stamps were a thing then. And, you know, that really wasn't something I liked. So was triple marking, of course. And those are things that I didn't like. But I think the thing for me that got me through was that feeling that I was progressing and still stepping along. 
So if we go to each of our guests kind of and, and find out what they were doing around sort of that five year and, and, and how it kept them going. And Liam, if we start with you, because I think it's particularly interesting that you've, you know, you know you've done it in the same school. Um, so, you know, that, that must bring its challenges as well to keep you engaged, staff engaged and interested. Yeah, it absolutely does provide its own set of kind of challenges as well as rewards. So if I think back to where I was in that sort of uh, that five year period, I was very much looking for the next opportunity on um, the, the fact I've kind of been where I have for so long. is kind of a consequence of a lot of little decisions that have gone certain ways. So uh, I have gone for interviews in other schools uh, for other positions. And however, I've always found myself uh, being presented with new opportunities. So it was around about that moment in time where you know, I was pre- presented with the opportunity to become a third in department in English. Uh, so given that little bit more responsibility as to where I was. And that that in turn has kept me going alongside the fact that I was just growing from a personal level. So I started things like a debating society. So it broadened a sort of my whole school sort of understanding. I was also still involved in a wide range of extracurricular activities. Um, and it was really about that. I, I really sort of echoed what you were mentioning just there about working hard on, on, on what I had, but always looking for a new challenge, always quite hungry. And I've always found that I've found a challenge where I am. And I've been very fortunate in the sense that it's always, it's kind of landed in my lap, I must be honest, that I was, I was sort of given that position about the five year mark. And I've always said, right, another two years or another two, three years. And, and sort of here I am, really. It's it's kind of amazing to think now, looking back, how quickly that's gone. But it's it was it was just a real turning point that just happened to keep me where I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think some of that, you know, there is, there is some luck, you know, that to, to I remember my, one of the schools I moved on from was was literally because the, the deputy head I knew wasn't going to move on and I wanted a deputy head role. And so I knew I couldn't stay there. If, if, if that had been an opportunity for me, I probably would have changed because stayed because I, you know, I really enjoyed the school. I like the ethos. I like the head teacher. You know, all of that worked for me. But there was someone there blocking me. Um, and so I guess, yeah, you know, if the opportunities arise, that, um, so you've you've kept interesting by moving up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Moving up in terms of where I am and just keeping that. I like to have a, a sort of at least a sort of toehold in the extracurricular aspect. I think that's really useful to not only myself to see the students in another dimension like that, but also for the students to see me in another dimension in that regards that it's not just confined to one subject that there's a broader school presence in that regard I think is, is something that's been quite uh, important to me. I guess it maybe adds a bit of flavour to, 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 the, to the life as a teacher, adds a bit of kind of extra kind of uh, you know kind of uh, I can't think what the word is but adds a little bit extra to it then. Yeah, 100%. It adds a different element to it. Uh, one other thing I was quite fortunate to be involved in as well was uh, various uh, music and orchestra trips. So I was part of the choir. Um, so a number of the trips we went on to Europe. I've been on a number of different trips there. And and not just the broadening one's horizons personally, but also the, the students being able to say, oh, that, that's not just my English teacher. That's somebody who's interested in this hobby and or this activity. And I think it really pays off both ways. And I'd encourage any teacher to really contemplate that if they had the time or um, opportunities. And as you say, it really is that word opportunities. I think when they fall, they can fall. And sometimes there'll be people that might be in the way of that. And it's, it's it really is how, how and where it lands. 
Yeah, and I suppose the difference in what we're discussing there is that I, you know, when I did move, I didn't move out of teaching because, you know, I moved to another school. And and this five-year hump seems to be, you know, kind of people moving out of teaching. Now, we'll we'll move on to Mark. Um, Mark, you've obviously kind of got kind of different points that you could choose as the five-year point. You could choose kind of like the first five-year point or or kind of where you're at now kind of moving on. But um, did you feel that there was a point or have you moved do, do you recognize that that this kind of five-year retention crisis yeah i absolutely do yeah it does make me wonder if it's in in um in any other profession as well or is it in all settings but certainly um when i was tefl teaching i've been working in various private language schools um i've been working in some of the big kind of uh sort of battery farming type language schools as well um and it was around about the five-year mark where that was when I was presented again opportunity is the key word with um with the, the opportunity to set up my own school so we built a house we built the school within the house it was kind of downstairs was a school upstairs we were living um and that opportunity was presented and I snapped it up because it was getting to the point where I thought well you know I can do this and kind of schlep around for other people or I can make a go of this on my own so you know that that was the the TEFL kind of five-year point and again, with the primary five-year point, it, that was around the time when I started to think, right, okay, well, I'm going to get my, I'm going to finish my degree, and I'm going to get my PDCE. Um, so there's definitely um, that five-year point is is quite key, I think. In like I say, whether it's only in teaching or in all professions, I don't know, but that well, need yeah. for change, isn't it? There, there's definitely a need for something, or and when <clears throat> when opportunities present themselves, you 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 snap them up. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe it is, you know, I've written down there because it came to mind. I'd never considered this before. I've written down seven year itch as a, as a thing that people talk yeah. about in, <laughs> in relationships quite, quite commonly. Like this is a, yeah. you know, a thing. Um, what it, I mean, it does interest me, though, that, you know, what makes the difference between people leaving teaching and, and, and people just saying, actually, do you know what? There, there is a change that I can make myself and stay within teaching. And maybe it is those opportunities that, that we need to look at promoting more within sort of the education world as a whole and saying, actually, do you know what? Our teachers who are getting to this point are probably getting a little bit kind of uh, itchy, a little bit nervous, maybe kind of, mm. you know, what, how can we challenge them? How can we keep them engaged? Um, Sadie, I want to I want to ask you then the same question. You know, this five year point then, um, do you recognise it as a point that you uh, potentially could have left teaching or was it that you just needed a change? That's a great question. And I think for me, we're coming back to that word opportunities. And at this point, so I had been in London in a very challenging school for four years and it was just seeing another colleague who had taken the leap of moving over to the Middle East and started teaching there. And I started to hear about it and I thought naively, how different can it be? So I looked into it and the opportunity did arise and I did go, but I do remember that fourth year of teaching was a turning point for me in the perception of how we're trained as teachers. Now we always know after an, um, an observation, you walk in the first question, how did it go? And you're naturally always taught to, reflect but in a way it can become very critical very quickly and that can deteriorate your confidence and I remember in my fourth year of teaching thinking how many times this academic year have I actually sat and thought or shared with a colleague or a team member saying that went really well and putting a positive spin on it we naturally go that lesson wasn't so great or that didn't really work out or I need to improve and change that this time whereas 
really it should be the other way around that that worked really well that should be the first port of call of that celebration for ourselves or sharing that with our team the achievements and when the opportunity arose to move to the middle east i thought this could be it and when i moved there it was quite a refreshing very positive very collaborative um, experience that gave me what i was looking for so i feel that five-year point is that really where teachers have come out of their training They've developed and reflected and worked through these targets and progressed. And in a way, they sort of just plateau and what seems could be a calming experience of really settling and embodying that teacher and developing yourself. Is it really a sense of feeling lost of well, what happens now? I've criticized and reflected and developed so much. What happens now when really that's that's your blooming part? That's your opportunity and moving into a, a role or development of leadership in some way. Yeah, I really like that. You know, that speaks to me. And we've had a, a text in from Leanne who's just said, I've always been too reflective to the negative side. And I'd say the same. I find it, you know, I've been institutionalized into my, my, my personal life now where people will say, look, you can just say you enjoyed dinner without giving it a development point. You know, you don't have to, every, not everything needs a next step. Uh, and, and so that is really, you know, a really interesting take that actually, you know, the, maybe we need that 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 just understanding that we 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 do you you do just get good enough you know there 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 are things you can tweak but that's up to you and you can be calm and you can enjoy it and you can uh, kind of find that 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 balance um now i'm going to ask each of you in turn now just you know because we want to talk about uh, 2022 and we're going to talk a lot you know a little bit about whether we've changed whether things have changed what we think of uh, teaching in 2022 but I think while we're talking about that kind of what kept us teaching we talked about what started us teaching what's kept us teaching over that five-year hump but why are you still teaching now so Liam my, my question would be to you what still motivates you now to remain in the pr- profession you know while we have a retention crisis I mean, that's an excellent question. And I think it would be dishonest to yourself and uh, everybody here today to say that I have had those doubts. I think that really has come across my mind in the last year or two. Um, Those doubts have largely been sort of talked through. I think what's been really helpful for me is that I've got colleagues I've worked with for a number of years now who I can not just trust, but I know that they know the rigors of teaching in a way that it's very hard to necessarily talk about to people outside of the profession. And I think a lot of those sort of questions I had in my my head, you know, how hard am I working? Why? And, you know, you, you judge yourself against various grades or things like that. And there was this working, is it not? And um, I came to the point that I, I realized that uh, getting back into the swing of things particularly after the last couple of years that we've all had it's it's really comes back to the little things that that I need to remember that I can do uh, rather than putting that pressure on me so why I stay in the why I've stayed in this job now is not only because I've I've come to that point where I mean it's taken a long time but I've come to that point where I realize yeah I am I am good enough I can do this and I'm I'm modeling it to others um, but I've also now come to a point where, as, as acting head of English from September, my role changes, my, the dimensions of my roles change, and that, that opportunity is what I find really exciting to, to get into middle, uh, middle leaders and become a sort of different part of my career. And I've always kind of gone on the idea of take as many opportunities as one can. And I think this is just another point where I can go, right, okay, here's a way of me developing myself in an environment that I know very well. 
with colleagues that I, you know, I trust and have a lot of time with and for. And the, the kind of excitement of that is what keeps me going. I think it's that sense that on the, but equally on, on that kind of granular level, like I know that every day I can make an impact in a child's life in a positive way. And I think that's, that's the thing it's quite easy to forget. I mean, we always talk about lesson plans or marking or uh, what the what the sort of overall picture looks like, but really it's just being able to turn up every day and know that you can make someone fall in love with a text or uh, fall in love with the English language is a really, really empowering aspect. And, and I, I always hold that there, that you know, there's always that moment you can inspire and conjure in, in a student. Yeah, you know, I find that really, you know, really is powerful kind of description of of the, keeping that that flame alive, I guess, keeping that 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 passion, that 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 real key, because people, I guess, do get disenfranchised by it. Um, now, now, Mark, um, what what keeps you teaching now? What's kept? Yeah, what in twenty twenty two? Why are you still teaching? Why are you still here? I ask myself that question every day, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I, I, you know, and uh, you know, I, I like Liam's honesty. I really do. You know, I have really considered that. I talk, uh, you know, several times. Um, but it is down to the love of the subject and that making a difference. And that's what we go into teaching for. I think, isn't it? We really do. It's having the impact on the students and um, fostering that. For me, it's it's about the subject of fostering that love. If I can. If I've got a class full of thirty kids and only half of them are really into English and are only re- you know only half of them are into uh, reading, and if I can tip that balance so that it's a greater percentage, like every lesson, and by the end of the term, you know, I can swing them around, then you know that that makes me really really happy because I want to I want to infuse that love and that joy that I have for it in them as well as much as I possibly can. And even the most reluctant students, the ones who are like, oh, you know, school's a waste of time, you know, it's not going to serve me any purpose. But I try to make, um, I try to make them understand that, well, it's, it's not about the school, it's not about the subject, this is about life, this is giving you skills. We're talking about things like persuasive speeches. If you want to get a job interview, you're going to need to know how to, to, to sell yourself. So it's, it's all those little kind of... Um, I want to say tips and tricks, but that kind of demeans it a little bit. But it's it's not what I mean. It's 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 giving them those ideas and, and making them think uh, more objectively about um, about the subject and and giving them the passion for it. I think. Yeah, and it sounds like you you know you're describing you you can still see that that impact on a life rather than and you know this is me conjecture maybe the, the the people who lose their passion or lose their love feel like they're part of a system now and it's just a machine and they're just another cog in the thing and they may they may be have lost sight of the things that you're describing mark um sadie i'm going to ask the, the same question to you before we start talking about what's changed from the start of our careers to 2022 where we find ourselves now um but sadie um what yeah what keeps you still in this uh in, in this world of, of teachers i think there's such a similarity here with myself and mark of it, it is that passion and mark really resonated with me when he was talking about the the wider picture of what we're teaching is not just a skill or an objective it's this is something you are going to transfer and apply to other aspects of life like the persuasive speech and whatever role you want to go into when you're older and i take that not just through an academic side of teaching, but also through that pastoral emotional support of, I stay in this job day in, day out because of that passion of 
helping educate children, not just with academics, but coping with difficult situations, communicating clearly, becoming good human beings, just generally helping them develop and build languages to communicate with one another. And I just know that that passion is there for me every single day. And until that passion does go away, that I'm making a difference in these children's lives in one way or another, I see no reason to leave teaching. I mean, we can put as many administrative tasks into the job description as we want. I walk into a classroom, there are 24 children looking at me, waiting to see what I have to say and what I'm going to show them and what we're going to be exploring today. And when they walk away, having enjoyed something or become more curious about something, I know I've done what I've needed to do here. And that's what keeps me going every day. What I find really interesting about, you know, a, a few of these um, sort of descriptions that we're, we're kind of pulling together between us of of what is, is keeping people in teaching. And one of the things, I, you know, I'll pull out there from Sadie, what you said was about this idea of learning objectives. And when I reflect back, when I think about teachers, maybe in their third or fourth year, when you're bogged down by still learning the curriculum or learning the schemes of work and you are delivering uh, learning objectives to some extent. You maybe haven't got your head above the kind of uh, to see the bigger picture, the wider picture. I wonder if 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 that's part of the problem. Uh, but you know, the machinery of the of the, the the learning objectives and delivering, and I don't know, a kind of McDonald McDonaldization of of education. Yeah, I definitely think. And I think part of this, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, is teaching to a test and that pressure of you need to know this objective presented and taught in a specific way because you need to complete this assessment at the end of the term or the end of the year, whatever milestone it may be. When really, when we have those teachers so secure in the subject knowledge, they can tick that box of teaching to the test. But then actually, how can we explore this in the real world? Where would you face this in real life? And how does that adapt or change on the circumstances? And I think that is what's really educating these children for the future of we're teaching you how you and why you need this when you grow up in 5, 10, 15 years time. And whether you remember it now or not, we have planted that seed for the future. And it's not just about the tests anymore. Yeah, you know, I really like that. I, you know, it wasn't what I thought early in my career. And maybe that's a good point for us to talk about what's changed maybe you know what's got better what's got worse of course we've been through covid which has you know completely changed the landscape for at least a couple of years whether we've reverted back or not so if we reflect back liam first of all to, to when you first started teaching them um has education has the, the job of you as a teacher changed Absolutely. Uh, I think the one thing I learned very quickly in my teach training was to never expect anything to stay the same, quite honestly. And I, I still think that motto largely holds true. Um, so much has changed. I think the the points were, were being addressed earlier in this, this idea of this constant chopping and changing of learning objectives and aspects like that. I think the thing that I, I got quite fatigued with quite quickly was this constant sense that as a teacher, you're judged by powers that be on on standards and frameworks and goalposts that shift so it wasn't at one point it was five a stars to c's then it's five nines to four then it was levels of progress including that but it's also this and then it's i've always felt like there's i've, I've lived through even just in 10 plus years of teaching so many changes 
particularly in assessment that has been massive um and I, and I think that can be quite disorienting i think there's not many other professions where what you're judged by on a almost year by year basis you know the terminology changes the kind of context of the, the terminology changes um one thing I, I think on a more positive and this is the kind of optimist in me that i think is changing in teaching and i hope it is it is not just sort of uh mood music is this notion of well-being and teacher well-being in particular has, has become more of a, a topic that is discussed and is becoming more of a, a sort of visible part of uh, my own teacher life and this idea that you know you can talk to other colleagues or there's things that schools will pay into for teacher well-being uh, which I think are really important I think so often it's, it's a case of just absorb 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 as a teacher and you know you take on a new idea you take on a new initiative you take on this and this and this um but i'm glad there's starting to be a dialogue about teacher well-being and it's particularly the mental health aspect of that is is quite powerful and i, I hope that's something that doesn't just become a sort of a, a flash topic as it were and it becomes something that we becomes a a really big part of teachers uh, professional working lives yeah, it's really interesting. You talked a, a little bit there about, you know, the kind of the, the, the well-being aspect of it. And I do reflect back in this asking for help um, that when I remember from the early stages of my career being petrified of admitting to particularly a line manager that I didn't know how to do something or that I was unsure because there was, whether it was the, the fact we still had outstanding grades for lessons or, or anything like that, there, there was certainly a, uh, a fear from me of asking for support because it would then be perceived as a weakness would you recognize that oh absolutely absolutely not just a weakness but a sense that you've somehow dropped the ball or and listen that that's nothing to my, the colleagues i was working with at the time but i think there was just a pervading sense of and, the, and going back to that grading like you know it's it's something that you you to ask is something that was wrong almost almost implied that weakness and you felt like well in my case I would have felt a bit like a liability almost when really I think that's the opposite it's, it's you need to 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 have a strong team and to have a team that trusts one another you almost would want to encourage a, a dialogue and but yeah I really really relate to that 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 um that mindset you were just talking about there 100 percent. I, I would have absolutely not talked to anyone not because i didn't trust people but i felt i'd be more of a liability and i'll you know not doing a job right than anything else uh which i think i feel particularly where where i am currently that 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 is changing that that dialogue is changing and there's a much more open uh dialogue around that and and that idea of helping is is encouraged quite uh, you know an awful lot now mm. And Mark, what do you think has, has changed in your experience or, you know, do you see is changing about educational teaching? Yeah, so this is where my kind of newbiness is, is slightly um, maybe gives me a different perspective. So obviously I'm only in my third year of secondary English teaching. So my NQT and my RQT were both interrupted by lockdown. So I haven't, I'm still now in my first year of, um, of full secondary school teaching, really. So... In terms of changes, um, I don't really know. It's it's all kind of new. So I've had this very unusual NQT and RQT experience. Um, it does feel like we've kind of hit the ground running in September um, with expectations that were pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, um, expecting to be met and perhaps unrealistically, I think. Um, it does maybe that's just because of my again my lack of experience in secondary but it does feel like a, 
and talking to colleagues as well it doesn't that doesn't seem to be um just my feelings as well so but what i have noticed is what what seems to have happened is that the idea of asking for help um is much more acceptable and much more commonplace as well so from what i've experienced over the last few months certainly is there's a, a much more collaborative approach so obviously depending on the school you're in depending on the department you're in as well um that might vary but certainly with the school i'm in now we have been much more collaborative so right what what are we going to do with this particular topic what are we going to do well i've got this lesson i'm going to share this with you it seems to have kind of um fostered this really kind of collaborative approach in in how to help each other out um and sort of seeing the strengths and weaknesses across the department as well so we see right this person's particularly good at this topic area or this topic area and we kind of draw on that and and helping each other out in that way so a more collaborative approach um less less reluctance then or less less of a stigma about asking for help as well seems to have been uh seems to be the case and i really hope that that kind of goes for i really hope that that um continues as well over the next sort of year or two as we kind of come out of this post lockdown post uh pandemic um situation because it's going to take another at least another year or two i think before all of this kind of properly settles down so mm. yeah may, i mean you know maybe covid has accelerated this i certainly think some of that those changes were happening pre-covid you know in the, the schools i was in anyway but maybe the fact that covid kind of set us all at sort of ground zero with some of the remote teaching some of the what to do maybe we all just had to accept that we didn't know but I do remember very early on in my career, this badge of, you know, I'm an outstanding teacher being a thing that people were very scared to lose. Now, Sadie, what about yourself there? You know, obviously you've changed from UK to um, teaching abroad, but have you seen education change? Have you seen teachers change over the course of your career? Yeah, I think definitely echoing Liam and Mark in terms of breaking down that stigma of asking for help. And I, I, that was, and developing pre-COVID, uh, especially I think after that 2014 curriculum came in, we were all a little bit lost and dumbfounded of we need to now muddle through this together. And I think that kind of started to develop the approach of we have got years worth of knowledge and strategies and ideas here we can build upon. And I know we've all heard the phrase, let's not, in, not reinvent the wheel. And I think that's really taken that forward drive now, building that ethos of collaborating and supporting one another. Um, and then the development of technology. Now, I know a lot of that has accelerated because of online learning. But if we think back to when computing was first brought in and we all looked at each other like, OK, now we need to learn this and those goalposts constantly moving. But now from lockdown and online learning and hybrid learning, whatever form of learning you had, that was a level playing field there. Everyone was lost at the same time of working through it and finding ways, which then not just within a school, within a department, we're talking internationally, that having all of us requiring to develop technology effectively to teach actually brought us together through these platforms to collaborate and support one another and help one another and share these ideas. And I think that collaboration has definitely broadened around the world for us to connect with one another around the world with sharing resources and ideas but also within the classrooms too and i think that this will continue to move forward now of looking to see not just using technology in a computing lesson or using technology um just in regards to presenting lessons or building lessons but 
facilitated lessons, like the accessibility features we have these days as well. I think this is definitely going to continue, but the technology connecting us all and bringing us forward to collaborate is the biggest change I've seen in the last five years. Yeah, I, you know, I think when when I when I started and that you know uh, maybe like ten fifteen years ago there were you know I think maybe I remember sort of Twinkle becoming a thing. Other resources are available. Tess, you know, the resources on there was a big thing of sharing, um, but there wasn't a kind of clear or centralized or quality controlled way that I, I really remember. Certainly not in the way that Oak National Academy maybe exists or. Um, so some of the other things, it certainly uh, seems to be, well, I guess even Twitter's, you know, would be within the time frame of me learning to teach. Um, so, yeah, that is a really interesting point about how it goes. Now, we are going to talk about, hopefully, after we uh, go to the news, kind of what we hope for the future. Um, so uh, if you guys are happy to stick around. Yeah, like of course. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you. I, 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 do you know what? I sometimes leave that hanging and no one responds and it really panics me. But you all got my kind of social cue there. But yeah, so we're all going to stick around. When we come back after the news, we're going to talk a little bit about how those changes from the start of our careers through to what it's like in 2022 now, um, what we want to hope and keep in the future. We'll see all of you on the other side of this short break. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group, 
If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Chancellor and Richmond MP Rishi Sunak is set to pay £63,000 in private school fees for his two daughters next year. The senior boarding school his daughter will attend in September is to see fees increase to £41,250, taking the household education bill to £63,000. Last month, Mr Sunak, who is a millionaire, donated £100,000 to his former boarding school, Winchester College. The money funds bursaries for children whose parents would otherwise not be able to afford to send them to the school, where Mr Sunak was head boy. Winchester College charges £43,335 per year. In Scotland, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon is facing pressure to fund universal free school meals for secondary school pupils as the Bank of England warns that supermarket bills and other household costs will continue to rocket until the end of the year. This will drive thousands of parents and carers below the poverty line. Leslie Davidson, who runs a Loaves and Fishes food bank, has seen unprecedented demand from parents, terrified of having to send children to school on an empty stomach. She said... Providing a meal for all primary and secondary children at school is a no-brainer. It is the most fundamental responsibility of government to make sure children are not going hungry. Scottish Labour MSP Monica Lennon said, No child should be going hungry in a country as rich as ours. Expanding access to universal free school meals will reduce child poverty and stop hunger holding back the next generation. With the cost of living crisis hitting families hard, I am proud to have taken the argument for expanding universal free school meals to the Scottish Parliament, because our ambitions for children and young people should not stop at the primary school gates. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about spreadsheet modelling. Spreadsheets are marmite. You either love them or you hate them. This week, I hope to help you see a reason to include them in your next lesson or even to spice up a form time. What is technology? It's anything that helps us in life. For example, scissors, cutlery, even 
a paper straw. Let's take a look at the good old paper straw, billed as an environmental hero. It's time for the spreadsheet to model some facts about paper straws. Before I begin, I totally get the paper straws are better for the environment than plastic. This episode's about looking deeper into topics at pace, using the all-powerful spreadsheet to provide high-speed and sometimes complex calculations. With a trusty search engine by my side, here I go into what is the true cost of a paper straw. Okay, the first answer to produce a paper straw costs a penny. Now how about how many paper straws are used in a year? The US use 5 million per day. Europe, a mere 7 million per day. How many trees is that? Right, a typical straw weighs 1.1 grams. So times 7 million is 7,700,000 grams divided by 1,000 is 7,700 kilograms divided by 1,000 again is 7.7 .7 tons. Back to the search engine, it takes 24 trees to make one ton of paper. So, 185 trees rounded to the nearest tree. It takes eight trees to provide enough oxygen for one person for a year. So each day we kill enough trees to keep 23 people alive for a year for the sake of a paper straw. Let's take a quick step back. 185 trees per day times 365 days is 67,452 trees per year. That can keep 8,431 people alive. In a densely packed forest, that's around one kilometre square of trees. It takes on average 15 years for a tree to grow to be used for paper. People of Europe are spending 27,830,000 per year on paper straws. That's £76,246 a day. If you listen to this on Friday, since Monday, 925 trees have been used for a one-use purpose. Now, with the power of the mighty spreadsheet and a few questions, I'll be leaving that straw behind and drinking from the cup. Do you want to add to my argument or even challenge it? Want to get in touch on the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio. And we have been talking, we've been talking with uh, Sadie, Mark and Liam about uh, what do they think of teaching in 2022? Uh, has teaching changed? Have we? Uh, how do we deal with the, the kind of five-year retention crisis? We've, we've talked about it all and now we're hopefully going to talk about the future and what kind of changes we hope to see going forward uh, for, for ourselves for education for teachers so i'm just going to check that everyone is still here with us so if you just give me a quick hello liam hi there i'm still here thank you yeah still here and mark hi i'm still here still here and sadie as well hello i'm still here superb we've managed to keep everyone you know uh, going no gremlins in the machines anymore absolutely lovely um now you know we've talked about some of the things that have changed we've talked about uh, teacher retention on top of that and and teaching in 2022 now i think for me you know one of the biggest issues that we face currently that i think has has got progressively worse in a slow background way there are people talking about this is the amount of additional things that schools are taking on you know and we heard there in the news about uh 
poverty around food. Um, and we seem to add and add and add to teacher work, um, to, to, to the remit of schools. I shouldn't say teacher workload because often it's managed well, but we do add to the remit of schools more and more and more. And so my going forward, I, I, you know, it is good that we do, are doing those things. We're aware of them. I just wish that there was additional funding or funding outside. And so my kind of big hope for us moving forward is we don't lose the better awareness, but we do maybe are able to action it more now liam where do you see education going where do you hope it's going well first of all i'd absolutely agree with what you were just saying there nathan i think that's a really really vital and important point i think it's very easy in in education for us either us as teachers or in our wider staff body to take and take and take and i think that's something that needs to be addressed i think the other thing i'd really like to see and i think there's been a real boom of this and, and hence uh, teachers talk radio be an example is is a real continuing and strengthening of professional development professional learning networking amongst fellow professionals where i work as a fantastic range of staff we're in a very sort of small almost village setting as it were and we have sort of networks with other schools historically however what i found is completely changed my uh, teaching practice is things like edu twitter being able to find things on eventbrite which is teacher training and and being able to network with fellow professionals understand that you know we we are professionals in our field and let's let's talk more to each other let's build that that knowledge and that was almost research-based education uh training uh which used to be kind of you know little things here and there you could find out but now it's become more of a culture i'd really love in the future you know next five ten years for that to just keep building and building and for us to kind of find a, a whole network of of training opportunities and professional development i think that'd be fantastic yeah you know the, and you you know some of those things were in person i think noticeably for me and you, you mentioning event right there as a kind of spurred that for me was um the over the um you know the, the covid years um there was this move to um remote training remote cpd that there just seemed to be and, and also sh people sharing um without paywalls i guess would be one of it as well but there seemed to be a lot more of that kind of easily accessible whereas previously i might have had to take time off work to go to a conference it, you know it was there for me to consume Absolutely. And I think that's been such an immense benefit uh, to my teaching practice as well. Now, whereas uh, we, we recently ran one in our own department, whereas what previously one of us would go to, say, London or a big city, and then we'd have to disseminate it at our next department meeting. We were able to, to, to join online, join remotely, and all of us could be there and all of us could learn at the same time. And it allowed an opportunity they've never had before where I can talk to my fellow professionals and colleagues and go, oh, yeah, that's something we could really take and implement into our own uh, programs of learning. That's a, that's a nice idea that we learn. And you're learning all together rather than having to have that delay. And I think that's out of what has been, you know, a really tumultuous couple of years. I think that that change has been a, a really welcome one. And I hope that, that we really build on that as professionals. Yeah, um, you know, for sure. Now we're going to go um, to Mark. And this, I guess, for you more is about, you know, where we're going forward. It, it's, I did want to double check for you as well about, so you missed the window for being an ECT. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think I was a year late. I like a year late. A year early, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was doing the maths there. To, <laughs> is it late? Is it early? Yeah, yeah. Um, because obviously that's a big change that we haven't necessarily talked about in 
in education um, that has come with with all of those much newer teachers. Um, it, it isn't a thing here in Wales where I teach. We still have NQTs just for a year, so it is very much an English thing. But as a as a teacher starting out, what do you see ahead of you? Um, yeah, I don't know if it's that much of a difference as well, because you're still expected to pass your RQT year as well. So I think it's just they've mm. made it a bit more official in terms of the ECT now. But um, yeah, so ahead of me, I think, um, well, I went for an interview the other day, actually, with her um, uh, assistant head of department, um, head of Key Stage 3. Um, I didn't get it. And it was, to be honest with you, as I was saying earlier, and I, I wouldn't say I'm jaded, but I've been a little bit kind of reluctant to kind of like dive into um, sort of committing myself um, in in sort of taking on any further responsibilities at the moment after the last sort of couple of years of disruption. But as I was in the interview, I was kind of convincing myself as well. I was doing not a very good job of convincing them, but I was certainly convincing myself that I thought, you know, actually I could really do this. I could really make a difference. I can do this. I can do that. So I think eventually then um, sort of sh short term, certainly, I'd like to be moving forwards, moving up through the department into into that kind of thing, taking on a, a leadership role. Um, so on a personal level, that's certainly what, I, you know, what I'd be interested in doing within the department. Um, I think on a, a sort of a wider level, it'd be nice to see this awareness from SLT on the workload and my school's been really good at sort of recognizing the accumulative effect of all the the administration jobs that they that has been put on teachers um so that they're, they're, they're sort of recognizing that it's not necessarily everybody knows what's going on so this one department or this this um this manager or this uh, uh deputy head is saying right we, we need to do this can we do this can we do this and that build up that accumulation of those little jobs is kind of takes its toll so there's much more of a um, an awareness now of that and there's a, a, a better communication between everybody to try and see if we can kind of chip away and reduce that workload so I'm really hoping that that's going to continue um, and like Liam was saying earlier as well this network this networking this this uh, working online system and again it comes back to that collaborative approach it's it's not just um, local it's it's national it's global and it's it, I really really hope that continues as well so yeah, I have to say, you know, like over these past couple of years, I now know, and you know, I'll, I'll you know say this to Sadie, I, I I really didn't know much about teaching in the Middle East. You know, I, I it, it wasn't even something, and and now sort of whether it be uh, the 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 remote years that we lived through, I now feel like I know a lot more teachers in a lot more countries. Um, and even myself, you know, I teach in Wales. It is a different curriculum to England, a different setup, but that kind of cross pollination. Of, um, of expectations and what's working and what isn't working, I find really interesting. And it is not something I was really aware of before COVID. Um, it was, you know, I guess as we described there, kind of my local cluster hub meetings, talking with other people from the same leafy part of Hampshire um, about the same things and maybe not getting those wider influences. Um, so Sadie, we're going to move on to you then and, and, and ask, what do you see coming down the pipeline in education? So I'm hoping to echo um, Liam and Mark, that collaboration, that networking and that development. And I think it's so ingrained in us from day one of teacher training, any form of teacher training that you do get yourself in other classrooms and pick up these great ideas and give them a go and 
why can that not be implemented on an international scale if we're looking at British curriculum and we want to implement and bring in the best practices why are we not high I'm talking higher up now in terms of our department for education why are we not networking across other countries under the Commonwealth or even across where where we can see it all a lot of our British teachers going why are we not talking and looking well why are they going there what are they doing that's working and attracting teachers that we could implement here back in the UK and then I think from that as well, I know we've spoken a lot about opportunities and moving up the ladder. I would really hope that that culture and that inner term of pressure of moving up the ladder isn't for everyone. Some people are really happy to just continue building that impact on the classroom. And there's nothing wrong in a, in a team having those well-experienced, strong members of a team in their teaching department that if they don't want to climb up the ladder or take opportunities or progress, they're quite happy staying where they are. That's okay too, as long as they're still progressing in their own way. So I really hope in the future we take on that culture of people are still playing to their strengths and people are still progressing, but that doesn't look the same for everyone in terms of a career ladder. I really like that, Savi. You know, I, that you, what you've described a little bit is my situation. You know, I was a deputy head um, and I had been promoted every single year of my uh, of my career I had gone you know gone through the stages of you know being a maths leader being a year leader being a phase leader being an assistant head being a deputy head and I did that pretty much every year the deputy head bit I did for a little bit longer but all the other ones I did you know just a year but because I was driven and I was stepping up and that's what you had to do because it was a treadmill and uh, I kind of lost sight of what it was was my passion which is where we started this conversation I guess um which was you know making a difference and so I you know I transitioned and now I have a a slightly smaller staff level role although the the, the role in itself is huge where I feel I'm making an impact in an leading an alternative provision um and maybe that's something that you know we need to look at I really you know I really think that idea I've heard it mentioned before that you know we shouldn't be saying just a teacher no not at all we're never just a teacher we are so much more and I think if everyone had and accepted that attitude of oh after a few years of being a teacher I'll now move up and progress and move forward when we look from the leadership perspective back at the team are we will we ever have those well-experienced well-trained concrete foundations to a team that can support more new newly qualified um recently qualified teachers coming in and actually develop them sometimes as leadership we need those they've been here for 10 years they know everything inside out they're really going to support this nqt and provide them the development we need that trust in teachers as well so it's not always having to climb a ladder sometimes you can be that core foundation of supporting others around you and that does bring in a middle leadership scope and negotiation there but Sometimes people are happy being a teacher, progressing within their classroom, and that feeds through the development into a team, that osmosis from them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to kind of just give um, a, a kind of last round as we go round. And, and this for me, you know, we can, we can label it in any way we want. And, you know, some people use things like trad and prog and those things about how when they've been in education, um, whether they've stayed the same. I would say, you know, I started off uh, very uh, idealistic is what I'm going to say. And I have become more pragmatic. And that has been my change over. And now I feel that teaching in some ways 
for me, whether that's a reflection of me going out, I feel that teaching at the moment is uh, that way with the evidence informed things with a pragmatism around workload, that that, that is education for me at the moment. Um, Liam, have, have you changed? Has your ideals changed over your career? I think that they're, I think it's almost like they've become more refined, more honed and more clear to me with experience, experience of teaching different students, experience of teaching, teaching different colleagues. I've always kind of had a foundational kind of understanding of what I wanted to achieve and what I thought would be a good teacher. But what I've really been clear on, particularly in, as I've stayed in teaching, is that is to not almost, uh, how can I, Put this not necessarily be an ideologue like to always be clear that you can always learn from anyone you can always learn from any colleague you can always you don't always have all the answers and that's not that that's a bad thing that's actually something to be embraced because you learn these new features and new practices and i think my my development as a teacher has been a really fluid one uh, i think i've always had that sense of expectations i think that that notion of what i would like or what i want to see from students has, has become sharper with time but I really, I, I almost embrace the unknown of teaching, that sense that I can walk into a colleague's classroom and, and, and to, or take a learning walk and I can find something new and, and thank them for seeing that experience of another teacher. And 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 so I kind of, it, it's an odd kind of paradox, I suppose. I've, I've stayed the same in not kind of, in, in keeping very fluid and keeping on rotation all the time in terms of my, my practice and, and how I think my, my teaching uh practice goes yeah yeah no that that makes a lot of sense you know if, if you are fluid then the, the the change is natural um now uh mark as well i'm gonna ask this obviously like you know if we, we if we pitch it back to your you know all the way through your career have you changed um yeah i think so yeah i think um my priorities have changed so obviously being self-employed teaching you know when I was running my own school that was a very different situation it was kind of like you know who was teach or die almost it was that kind of extreme um I think then when I've come into primary it was there was less of an onus I didn't have the um accountability I was HLTA I was doing PPA um and now that I've come into secondary I've got you know I do have the accountability and I do feel um more responsible then for those classes and those students um it's been Obviously, it's been disrupted with the first couple of years of my my secondary career, but um, I really do think that you know now I'm more um, I feel more accountable. I feel more responsible. At the same time, as well, I think what the the pandemic years or the COVID years, or whatever we're going to call them, has sort of taught me is that the, the students are the priority. So whatever um, whatever's coming from SLT, whatever's coming from the department, as long as those lessons are being delivered, as long as those students are okay in the classroom, and as long as they are um, able to access the curriculum and they're able to enjoy the lessons, I think if, if that's, for me, that's the key, and I can kind of not ignore, but I can certainly kind of cut away or chip away at anything else that, that's coming, that's, for me, is the absolute core and key thing. So, And I really enjoy, I really like what Sadie was saying about the, you know, this being uh, not just being a class teacher, that there, there is a stigma about that, and I think that that's it's really important to to try to remember that and to try to tell people that you know you don't have to be um, you don't have to be constantly progressing uh, progressing or climbing in in a 
in a kind of linear sense in that way you can be progressing more laterally and more in your terms of development personally and uh, your career development isn't necessarily um, stepping up through that hierarchy in the school. And Sadie, you know, thinking all the way back to what at 18 stepping onto your teacher training course, are you, are you still the same or have you changed? I'm definitely not the same. No, I remember having so much pressure that you, because we think back as well, primary teaching and lesson planning was so rigid and so structured and you must have five minutes of this and eight minutes of that and carpet time. And as time has gone on, I have definitely and develop more confidence in myself and trust in the process that I don't need to be so uptight with every pedantical part of the lesson of knowing you can strip it back. Sometimes the simplest lessons are the most effective. And I know if they haven't got it today, we've got tomorrow, we've got next week, we've got the term. I know what a child may not have achieved or really consolidated in my academic year with with me as their teacher I have still planted a seed that could bloom next year when the teacher revisits this or brings this up again so I think from that I've actually found more trust in the process to help me step back and relax in the education journey that my students go on and also like Liam and Mark have both said just building that more um collaborative approach with others knowing what's going on in your classroom but yeah I've just found um, there's less pressure and because of that there's actually more curiosity of developing and not knowing everything and always learning more from that you know and a really positive way for us to end the show tonight um thank you so much all of you for 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 being on and sharing your um you know experiences and thoughts about kind of this changing world of education that we live in um if there is anyone listening live you can of course uh transfer straight over to Lucy Newberger who'll be live on a Twitter space in mere seconds I imagine because I'm opening that Twitter space or you can listen to any of our shows on Podbean as a download um, as a as a podcast um, so thank you so much um, guys for coming on and we will see you all next time uh, and hopefully in another five years I guess when we're all still teaching because we've all still maintained that passion uh, good night everyone from here in Swansea Nostar as we say in South Wales uh, and we'll see you all next time you've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.